we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Bricori, an executive director of the Center. And this week, we're going to be talking about bad research, flawed research. It specifically relates to crime. And the center doesn't usually weigh in on the crime issue because, frankly, it is kind of tangential to immigration policy. You know, whether illegal immigrants have higher or lower crime rates than the native-born or than legal immigrants. And that's an interesting question. It may have some implications for society, clearly. But for immigration policy, it really doesn't matter. I mean, if in the entire nation there's only one crime committed by an illegal alien, that's one crime too many because that person shouldn't be here. It should have been prevented. So the issue here is not so much are illegal immigrants more or less prone to crime, at least the policy issue. It's that immigration enforcement is an important public security, public safety tool because whatever the crime rate is, illegal immigrants shouldn't be here committing crimes and law enforcement needs to use immigration policy as one of the tools in its toolbox to preserve and protect public safety in communities. That having been said, the question of whether illegal immigrants have higher or lower crime rates than others has, uh, in spite of us, our best efforts, become an issue. And there's been significant discussion of a couple of studies, academic studies, claiming definitively that illegal immigrants have lower crime rates, and that has been eagerly picked up by reporters who just desperately want it to be true, and researchers, frankly, who wanted it to be true, without the necessary skepticism that any kind of research or or examination like this warrants. And so we have a report out, and one of the authors of the report, Jason Richwine, a researcher here at the center, is going to tell us a little bit about the flaws behind this research that purports to say that illegal immigrants have lower crime rates. Jason, thanks for coming on. And what's the sort of punchline, first of all, and then we can discuss in a little more detail. Thanks for having me back, Mark. I I would say the punchline, for those who don't want to hear the whole 30 minutes, is simply that uh, illegals are undercounted in the data, and they don't get counted for a while after they're arrested. And that's the basic reason why you see some of these low rates of crime being calculated by both Cato and by an academic study in Proceedings of National Academy of Science. So let's back up a little bit, talk a little bit about how illegals are identified in Texas. This is Texas Department of Public Safety. Yes. So all the data we're talking about comes from Texas because Texas has some of the best data on this question and they make it available for researchers. So when someone is arrested in Texas, uh, his fingerprints are sent to a federal database that has fingerprints for legal immigrants and some illegal immigrants. 
illegals would would be in the database if there was some kind of previous encounter that that illegal has had with authorities, either at the border or a previous arrest. And so the arrestees in Texas are initially classified as legal or illegal or other slash unknown. And that other slash unknown category includes obviously natives, but also many immigrants, especially illegal immigrants, who were not part of that database that they checked. In other words, people maybe that got past the Border Patrol and were never apprehended, and so the government has no record of their being illegal aliens. Of course, and obviously there are many such illegal aliens in the country. It's obviously an incomplete database. But this is really where the previous studies messed up. They, they don't appreciate that those categories I mentioned are dynamic. People move out of the other slash unknown category and into the illegal as Texas continues to investigate the status of people who go to prison. So people who are in prison in Texas see these investigations get done. And of course, the longer they're in prison, the, the better chance they have of being identified. And so the initial count of illegals is considerably smaller than the final count. I shouldn't really say final because really it's always an undercount. It's never really finished. Uh, but the count of illegals does go up over time. And we illustrated this, I think, quite well in the report where we looked at homicide conviction rates in Texas. So the overall conviction rate in Texas, this is the whole population, is 3.0 per 100,000. I'm bringing math back into this, Mark. Do you like well, this? Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> keep limited. All right. 3.0 per 100,000. Now, if you were to attempt to calculate an illegal immigrant crime rate, homicide rate, in Texas, based only on the initial identification of illegals based on that database, you'd come up with a crime rate of 2.7 per 100,000. So lower than the... Yes, lower than the 3.0. This is the overall state. Right. But if you then add in all the illegals who are later identified in prison for having committed homicide, that same rate goes all the way up to 3.9, which is much higher than the homicide rate for the overall population. And we find the same thing with major crimes like sexual assault, higher illegal immigrant crime rates for those particular offenses. Now, what we don't find, though, is higher rates in some of the smaller offenses, larceny, for example. But it's hard to know whether that reflects reality. And the reason is that, again, if you're in prison for only a short time or not at all, there's much less time and incentive for Texas to actually identify you as an illegal alien. So I don't know how to interpret the larceny numbers. And in particular, what's a especially meaningless statistic that is nonetheless presented in the Cato and academic articles is an overall rate of crime among illegal aliens. That overall rate, in other words, any offense, is going to be dominated by the smaller offenses for which there's very little time or incentive to identify them as illegals in the first place. Interesting. Now, the incentive, it seems to me, is that the federal government will actually reimburse, at least partially reimburse, states for the incarceration of people who are illegal immigrants. And so that's kind of where the incentive comes. But if somebody's only in jail for six months, maybe there, like you said, there isn't the incentive or certainly isn't the time to do the legwork and investigation to find out if that person is an illegal immigrant. Whereas if somebody's going to be in jail for, you know, 20 to life, 
you definitely want to find out that guy's status because you want to get some reimbursement if it's at all possible. Exactly. And let me just emphasize again that this is not a he said, she said about statistics. I don't want any of your listeners to think, well, we use this arcane statistical procedure and our opponents use some other arcane statistical procedure. No, no, no. The math here is very simple. All we're doing is calculating conviction rates. There's no dispute about how to calculate a conviction rate. You just take the total number of convictions, divide by the total population, and the raw data is available in our report in a usable format, an Excel spreadsheet. You can download it. You can look at all of it yourself. Again, it's not the statistics. It's understanding where the data come from and what their limitations are. That's what separates our report from the ones that really got this wrong because they didn't appreciate that more illegals were going to be added over time. What were these, a little more specifically, what were these flawed reports? One was from the Libertarian Cato Institute, or actually several of them, and then there was another peer-reviewed study, right? Yes, the one we mentioned, the Proceedings in National Academy of Science, that was the academic article. Right. And you wonder, okay, why did they get it wrong? And I think, you know, part of it is just finding what they want to find. It's human nature. But to me, particularly with the academic article, this is a failure of peer review, to be completely honest. Let me try to give you a concrete example of why I think peer reviewers should have caught some of these errors. Some listeners may not be familiar with this. What does the peer review mean in well, an academic journal? So in academic journals, if you submit to a peer reviewed journal, your draft goes to other academics who read it. Uh, usually, you don't know who they are. The editor of the journal finds them, and they have to approve the methods and so on before it's published. Right. It's, in theory, a good tool, but it kind of get gets fetishized, I think, by the media because sometimes peer reviewers serve as gatekeepers for certain kinds of research. And in, in general, I think probably the better thing to do is simply to release reports and let everyone else look at them rather than assign such power to a group of anonymous individuals. So in this peer review process, it seems to me you you would have some of the similar too-good-to-check dynamic. In other words, if they're committed to a particular outcome, reviewers themselves, they may not be all that skeptical and dig too deeply when they're examining something. Of course, because the reason is scientists are people too. Oftentimes, we don't appreciate that. We don't appreciate that especially when there are political topics available or under review, then oftentimes the peer reviewers are going to act with a certain political interest. It's not because they're bad people. It's just because they're human beings. But anyway, so let me give an example of where they really failed here. Our report at CIS here just looked at illegal crime rates versus the overall state average. But the academic article tried to create legal, illegal, and native-born categories. It failed, but it tried to do that. Okay. Now, let me just ask you, Mark, your intuition on this. All right. You don't have to cite any data. Okay. If I just asked you in general, which group has a higher violent crime rate, legal immigrants or illegal immigrants, what would your intuition be? Well, I mean, my intuition would probably be legal immigrants because... I may be giving it away here, but, and I don't, I mean, this is just to be clear, you didn't, we didn't practice this, is that illegal aliens are kind of more potentially worried about being identified, whereas legal immigrants aren't. So maybe we should have practiced this, but I would say that is one reason why it is possible that you could see a higher rate for legal immigrants, because 
you know, maybe illegals just get deported right away. Illegals know they have to stay undercover and so on. So maybe I can believe that, but there's many sort of countervailing trends going on here. One is that legal immigrants are considerably older. They have a higher socioeconomic status. And also they've undergone some vetting, right? Unlike illegals who have basically none. And so maybe I can believe that legals have slightly higher. I'd be surprised, but maybe. If you go to this academic article and you look in the back, you will find a claim that legal immigrants have a homicide conviction rate five times greater than illegal aliens in Texas. Yeah, that, five doesn't, times. that doesn't pass the smell test. It, it's absurd. It's absurd. I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, we need to, to tell it like it is here. And the fact that no peer reviewer pointed that out, no, no peer reviewer said, hey, wait a minute, you know, that doesn't look quite right to me. Uh, are you sure you're understanding the data properly? That's what we're living with here. And I think it's an indictment of the media too. Remember, the media loved both the Cato study and the academic article, but they didn't seem to ask a lot of questions like, why is it that in the Cato study, illegals have higher crime rates than legals, and in the academic article, legals have higher crime rates than illegals? This seems kind of strange, doesn't it? It's supposed to be the same data. Why would you get such a very different answer? I don't know any person in the media who asked this question. Of course, the answer that we know is the fact that neither study really understood the categories. In particular, in the academic study, they thought that legals were undercounted. So they moved a lot of people from the other unknown category into the legal category, not realizing a bunch of them were actually illegal. Again, had the media been asking these questions, then maybe we would have you know, actually gotten closer to the truth. So what was some of the breathless media coverage? Have you seen any of the examples of the coverage of the, or at least references to, the Cato study and the preceding study? Oh, I mean, it's everywhere. Washington Post, New York Times, NPR. I mean, right. it, they really love covering this idea. They are very wedded to this idea as well. They see it as a kind of trump card right. to play against as people were. who oppose illegal immigration. We can get into a little more about when the rates matter and when they don't. But to them, at least, you know, this is what you say anytime anyone brings up any concern, really, about immigration, but especially the crime issue. Are you concerned about illegal alien crime? Well, apparently you haven't read the proceedings of the National right. Academy of Science. <laughs> Interesting. And unfortunately, I mean, from my perspective, it does create a dynamic where the media, based on these flawed, I wouldn't say flawed, simply incorrect reports, are making one argument. And so then I think immigration hawks often end up just saying, no, make the opposite argument. No, you're wrong. Immigration is a problem because illegal immigrants are more likely to commit crime. And that's not really, first of all, we don't know that. Even from this data, we don't really know that because is Texas representative? You know, I mean, there's a lot of questions here. So it doesn't, it's not definitively settling the broader question. But even if it were, you know, the issue here is there shouldn't be any illegal immigrant crime because the illegal immigrants shouldn't be here. And I just think you end up with a somewhat unproductive debate where NPR and the Cato Institute say illegal immigrants are just wonderful. They're choir boys who call their mother every Sunday. And then too many people, not us, obviously, but, you know, people, well-meaning people, but who aren't immersed in this will say, no, no, they're not choir boys, you know, they're rapists or whatever. And that just ends up 
creating this unproductive dynamic where neither side is actually telling the truth. I agree with that. And I think that there are obviously many reasons to oppose illegal immigration and to want to see the illegal immigrant population reduced, uh, you know, regardless of, of what their crime rates might be. I would say, though, that I don't think the rates are entirely irrelevant. I know that you, know, you said earlier, and I know I've heard a lot of people say that they don't care at all about what the rates are because you know, even one crime committed by an illegal immigrant is one too many. And as I said, insofar as there are lots of reasons to oppose illegal immigration, that makes sense, right? Ideally, there would be no illegal immigrants here. So, of course, by definition, there would also be no illegal immigrant crime. But if you're specifically talking about how illegal immigrants affect public safety in the United States, I, I do think the rates matter. Because if you think about it, I mean, rates are really the way we define what it means to be safe. If you're you know, comparing cities, you want to know the rates of crime, not, not necessarily just the total number. Take, you know, town A has 100 people, two of whom are felons, and then you know, town B has 1,000 people three of whom are felons. Well, you know, clearly town B is a safer place to be. It's true town B has one more felon, but come on, it has 10 times the population. And I think you can say the same about immigration in that if, you know, contrary to the evidence presented in our report, illegals did have a lower crime rate, well, I think then they would not be making the average American unsafe uh, from their crime. But again, I think you were sort of alluded to this earlier. Really, the key rate that we should really be focusing on when it comes to policies like sanctuary jurisdictions and uh, enforcing at the local level is the, is the crime rate of people who have already been arrested because that, that's what happens with sanctuary jurisdictions. You know, if you're a sanctuary, you say you arrest someone for, say, uh, drunk driving and you have them in jail and ICE calls and says, hey, that's an illegal alien who's a priority for removal hold them for a couple of days so we can pick them up. And you say, no, we're not going to hold them. We're just going to release them. Well, you just release back into the community someone who had already been arrested for a crime. Such people pretty obviously have high crime rates, regardless of what the overall illegal alien crime rate happens to be. So if you're going to be opposing policies that are designed to remove demonstrably crime-prone illegal aliens, I'm sorry, but you forfeited the public safety argument. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't disagree at all. I mean, the fact is that immigration enforcement has to be a key part of law enforcement, of regular public safety. In other words, the supporters of sanctuary cities often say, well, we don't want our police going around enforcing immigration law. Well, ICE doesn't want that either. No police officers are walking around stopping people in the street saying, hey, pal, where's your green card? What they're doing is they're arresting wife beaters and drunk drivers and drug dealers and what have you, just in the normal course of the business, some of whom are amenable to deportation so that either when they finish their sentence or if for whatever reason prosecutors choose not to prosecute, they have this way of removing these people from the community. And that's why, you know, to use your example about the two felons in a town of 100 people and three felons in a town of 1,000. Even in the second example where the crime rate is much lower, even though there's one more felon, there's many more people, so the rate of crime is lower. If that one extra person were an illegal immigrant and were removed, the crime rate would be even lower. Do you see what I mean? So that, like I said, I think the prevalence 
relative prevalence of criminality among illegal immigrants is not irrelevant, but it is kind of tangential to all of the policy arguments. In other words, arguing against sanctuary cities, the argument would be no different if illegal immigrants had a higher or lower crime rate. You see what I mean? The argument for better border enforcement, for E-Verify, for better enforcement of visa rules so that you have fewer overstays. Let me, let me know if you disagree, but it seems to me in none of those cases is the argument really changed depending on what the rate of crime is among either immigrants in general or illegal immigrants specifically. Yeah. I mean, across all of those policy levers, it does not matter. Right. Yeah. That's my point is that in town B with the three felons, if you arrest one of those felons and you know he's a felon, well, yeah, yes, by all means, please deport him. There was no argument from overall crime rates that's going to ever you know, lead you to think, well, we shouldn't deport this known felon. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. My only point is that if you're speaking specifically about how illegal immigrants as a whole affect public safety, then that's where I think the rate okay. of crime does matter. But again, but again, that's getting into the argument. That's, for instance, Alex Narasta, who's the person who's authored that Cato Institute report, actually uses that as an argument for unlimited immigration. In other words, that if illegal immigrants have lower crime rates, then having more illegal immigration lowers the overall crime rate. I mean, literally, that's what he said, which is kind of bonkers, but in a sense, it is sort of the mirror image of that argument. That's, that's my only concern. Well, I would just say, again, there's many, many reasons to oppose unlimited immigration beyond simply whether or not they're going to be committing crimes. Right, there. right. We're going to have links in the show notes, but what are the names specifically or the titles of the two main reports so people will know what they see when they look at it on the show notes? So the title of our report is uh, Misuse of Texas Data Understates Illegal Immigrant Criminality. Right. The first author is Sean Kennedy, who is at the Maryland Public Policy Institute. He does criminal justice work there. I'm a co-author, as is our director of research, Stephen Camerata. And then what are the Cato study and the uh, PNAS study? We have links to those. I actually don't remember exactly what the titles are. Okay, yeah. We have, we'll have links in the show notes with the actual titles. So, you know, as they say at the end of academic studies, where is the, you know, area for future research? In other words, so these guys got it completely wrong. They didn't understand the data that they had in front of them. Are there avenues for future research to help us understand this better? Yes, I think that for one thing, more states can do what Texas does, which is create this really nice data set that they make publicly available and that they maintain a lot. I mean, it changes a lot. So, you know, we had an initial data request we did a couple of years ago, and then we did a second one. And you could clearly see how, you know, more illegal aliens are getting identified over time. And if more states did it that way, especially the larger ones with large immigrant populations, I think we would be better off. Arizona has some pretty good data as well. Beyond that, you know, in terms of making the Texas data better, it's harder to say because I think you're starting to implicate, you know, immigration policy more broadly. You know, how do we get better data about who lives in the country in the first place? How do we improve, you know, the database with the fingerprints? And, uh, you know, I think if, if we're going to improve those things, I think almost by definition, we're improving our border security in general. Yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, thanks, Jason. We've been talking about a report the center did which will be linked in the show notes, and it's on our website, obviously, at cis.org, on the flaws in other studies 
on immigrant criminality, the misunderstanding of the data, and maybe even more important, because obviously people always make mistakes, even if the mistakes often all go in the same direction, depending on a person's bias, this idea of lower immigrant criminality, lower rates of a crime among illegal immigrants in particular, has become an important talking point by the anti-borders folks to argue for unlimited immigration. And it's important not that the opposite be true, but that we actually report accurately what's happening. And it does not seem to be at all what the people sympathetic with unlimited immigration, not just researchers, but the media as well. And so I think this is a very important corrective. And it's a lesson more broadly, really for everybody on every side of debate, is be skeptical. Even if the numbers are what you want them to be, nothing should be too good to check. So thank you for coming in, uh, Jason. And if there's more on this, we'll have you back in the future. Absolutely. That's it for this episode of Parsing Immigration Policy. My name is Mark Krikorian, and I hope you will tune in in the future. And the best way to do that is to subscribe. We are on all the usual podcast platforms. And if you have any thoughts, comments, criticisms, what have you, either post them there or feel free just to message me at Twitter. My Twitter handle is Mark S, as in Stephen, Mark S. Krikorian. Until next week, thanks for tuning in. 